Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. There's pockets all across North America that have a little bit of both. And that's one of the recommendations that I found is that acquire property that cash flow and the numbers don't lie. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today, Van Sturgeon. How you doing, Van? I'm doing very well, Joe. Thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to having this chat with you. Well, I'm glad and I'm looking forward to having this conversation as well. A little bit about Van and then we can get into it. He is an entrepreneur, a real estate investor, a land developer, and he owns a number of businesses in real estate. He currently owns and manages over 1,000 units in Michigan, Ohio, New Brunswick, and Florida. He's based in Toronto as well as Miami Beach, Florida. So with that being said, Van, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I'm a product of the 1960s. I was born and raised in Chicago to immigrant parents who we, along with my younger brother, lived in a one-bedroom apartment in Chicago. And like every person, I guess, my parents had a dream of owning their own home. And they were saving as much money as they can to put toward that purchase. And along the way, they discovered or learned that the apartment building that we were actually living in had gone up for sale. So instead of actually buying our dream home, they took the less travel road and decided to become landlords. So they scurried all their money together and borrowed some from friends and family, put their down payment, and they bought this apartment building. Good for that. Yeah. And at that time, it was great, fully occupied building, a nice part of Chicago. But subsequently, things started to change pretty dramatically in the late 70s. Joe, you're too young to remember, but inflation was crazy, skyrocketed even more so than it is today. Unemployment rate, the economy, everything, it was just a malaise in the economy. It was just a miserable time. And unfortunately, this apartment building, this wonderful building that my parents had purchased, all of a sudden started to experience vacancies. And the whole neighborhood started to deteriorate. You had gangs and prostitution and drugs and all that kind of elements started to move into the neighborhood. Where in Chicago, just for anyone who is familiar with Chicago? North side of Chicago in particular, the Edgewater community, uptown Edgewater community. So I'm sure you got lots of folks listening over there in Chicago. And if they lived there during those times, they'll, they'll know the area exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Anyway, it got so bad that landlords were literally torturing their buildings. I remember walking 
around the neighborhood and had to, there was a number of buildings that were just literally landlords couldn't take it anymore to vacancy. They couldn't handle and they would just torch their buildings to collect on the insurance money. And we were in a precarious situation ourselves. Our building was 40, 50, 60% vacant at the time. And as a family, this was our sole investment. And we had to do everything that we could to hold on to it. And as a result, we did everything on our own from painting, replacing carpets to doing roof work, whatever it required for us to do to be able to cut out that contractor or subcontractor or trades out, we did. So it was during that period of time that we were able to get through. It was a difficult time, but nevertheless, it was a heck of an investment that my parents made and they did very well from it. We got out of that period of time and then I went off to university, graduated. And unfortunately, I disappointed my parents. They had these dreams of having their baby boy be a lawyer or something like that. But I decided that I didn't want that life. And I got into being uh, opening up my own company, being a general contractor. So out there in Chicago in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, I was out in the hustle trying to build a business. And slowly but surely, I kept acquiring clients and I kept running into the same people, these real estate investors that are running around either flipping properties or actually buy and hold. And that's when I got started in the early 90s and started into doing flips. That's how I got started and then started acquiring a rental portfolio. And it's been a hell of a ride over the last 30 years. I've literally done thousands of renovations and I've opened up a number of successful companies associated with it. I never planned this out, but one thing led to another. So from property management to land development to subdivisions. I've done everything that you can think of in terms of renovation, construction, and real estate. And right now I'm at latter stages of my life. I'm in that semi-retirement stage and I enjoy coming to podcasts like yours to be able to talk about specifically the issues associated with how do you plan and execute a successful renovation, whether it's on a single family or a multifamily. It seems there's a lot of confusion out there. A lot of folks talk about having the successful trade is to be able to find that deal. And that's great. You need to have that skill set. But another one that's even as important is actually being able to execute on that renovation rehab because we're acquiring properties that require some type of work. We're looking to buy that diamond in a rough or that ugly duckling that requires some type of improvement on it to be able to pull money out, do that burst strategy or meet the projections that we have on the syndication side when we go to our investors where we say over the course of three to five years this is what we're going to do. So unfortunately, there's a lot of trepidation with regards to that renovation side. And that's what I like talking about because I've got, like as I mentioned, over 30 years of experience in doing it. Then there's a right way and there's a wrong way in terms of the systems and processes that you need to institute in order to be able to carry forward a successful renovation rehab on any project. And we will talk about your plan and your execution for renovation for multifamily. If we can stick to multifamily versus residential, that's what most of our listeners are focused on is commercial real estate or want to be focused on it. But before we get to that, this will tie into or segue into the plan and execution. But let's say we're looking at a multifamily property and we can see that there's rent bumps that we can generate for the property because the comps are generating those rent bumps of say 200 bucks. How do you think about the renovation process whenever you are initially assessing an opportunity, not the actual execution of it, but when you're initially assessing deals, is there something that you're thinking of that perhaps others who aren't as savvy with the execution of the renovation process are not thinking of? 
Well, every successful investor that I know, or just any successful person in general, needs to establish some sort of a process, a system to be able to go in and quickly evaluate a property and make a decision on whether to move forward to invest the time and effort. Because we come across a lot of opportunities. So do you, Joe. And you can't afford to spend time evaluating a property because there's another five or 10 more that come down the chute for you to look at. And time is of the essence in most cases because of this overheated real estate market that we're in. So with regards to how we process or how I recommend individuals process is we have a checklist and we have sort of like a renovation calculator that we use in order to be able to go in whether uh, in that multifamily side. And also there's a lot of wrinkles associated with multifamily from balconies to underground parking garages. There's a lot of wrinkles associated with the cost behind getting a capital improvement put in. But we start off using that as a basis to be able to figure out quickly what the cost is going to be associated with turning this investment around or this potential investment around. And then based off that number, then we are able to determine whether we would like to actually spend even more time associated with doing our due diligence, putting an offer in. Does that make any sense? I'm I'm hoping that I answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some things on the checklist? Well, it starts from the exterior, from the roof all the way down to the actual common areas and individual suites. It's an actual checklist with a formula associated with it, whether it's in linear feet, square footage. And we plug that number in to be able to spit out a generalized number. And based on that number, then we can apply that to the overall number of calculations to determine whether it's something that we should move forward on. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. So what's an example of a couple line items on the checklist? And I heard you say roof and I heard you say common areas, but can you just say a couple line items? I, I just want to get a good idea. Sure. There's a line item on the linear feet of countertop. So based on the type of countertop that you want to repair, whether it's granite or a formica top, there's a unit number there that you enter the linear feet and it'll churn out a number. Square footage is on paint. If you enter the actual unit, it'll spit out a number. Those are the types of things that we try to generalize as best. How do you get that number square footage on paint? That's the square footage of the walls? Like, no, no, no. That you'll just be so, painting? Again, Joe, this is just a rough estimate of associated right. with the cost of paint. So it would just be on the floor. We're estimating, I think, 
a standard eight foot high floor to ceiling. So there's a number assigned to that, the floor square footage. So it would be on a typical one bedroom apartment would be $500 and we would assign a value paint and material included. So I think it's like $2. Got it. Yeah. You have the same issue as we do that you're constantly looking at opportunities. So oftentimes you don't want to get bogged down on them. So you need to do an overall assessment, plug in some generalized numbers to be able to see, hey, is this worthwhile for me to be able to move forward on actually devoting some serious effort into determining? And then that's when you start to fine tune numbers. Now, part of that also is that there's buildings that have balconies and there's, as I mentioned, there's buildings that have pools and things of that sort. So those are tougher numbers to be able to figure out in terms of if there's a requirement for some repair or renovation too. A lot of this is also experience. And Joe, you, you, you've done this many a time. So there's a well of experience that we draw upon to be able to put out numbers to be able to get a sense of where you can take this property and how much this renovation or this rehab is going to end up costing. That new folks that get into that aren't able to put a number to, and, and they struggle with that. And unfortunately, there isn't a book out there or some type of resource to be able to buy to get to that point. So let's take a step back. Where do people who do not have an experienced team Where do they fall short as it relates to renovations compared to the opposite team? Well, oftentimes the multifamily investor slash syndicator side, especially on the syndication side, you have projections that you put together associated with what this property is going to eventually generate over a course of a period of time. And it's based on those numbers. You've sold that to your investor group. And those are individuals based on those numbers through relationships you've created with these individuals over a period of time are the ones that put money toward this purchase. And it's that that relationship is different than the relationship that you have with yourself. Meaning the amount of money that you put into an investment, if that something goes wrong, you're the only person to blame versus if you take somebody's hard-earned money and you look them in the eye and they trust you with their money to be able to carry this forward, that in itself is even more weight on your shoulders associated with making sure that you carry forward the renovation process and making sure that it's successful. So as you bring those projections or put those together, the numbers associated with it, you need to start to fine tune the association with what it is that you're actually going to do to the property and what you can't do because we all will live within budgets. There's only set amount of dollars put aside in order to make sure that this renovation rehab is successful and it's going to reach your projections. And that's when the difficulty comes, especially first timers, because everything is 10x in terms of moving from a single family to multifamily and the cast of characters associated with the individuals that would be part of that also change as well. You're not going to go to a general contractor driving around in a small little beat up pickup truck. You're going to have to elevate and go to fair size contractors that can handle this type of renovation, whether it's from a 10 unit up. So as a result, there's a lot of fear and anxiety associated with making that right move to be able to reach those projections when you've done your underwriting and you've gone to your investors and they've signed off on that. So those are where, unfortunately, experience is really required to be able to make that determination as to what it is that you can do and you can't do. And the capital improvements that you're going to make to be able to get the highest ROI. And oftentimes I find that these are difficult decisions that syndicators and investors have to make because there's only so much money in the kitty to be able to put toward raising the property value. And that's where folks like myself come in to help in the process because of the experience that I've been able to gather and be able to help folks through that process and be able to determine exactly what it is they need to do the property and the costs associated with that. That makes any sense. What's something that's typically under budgeted for? 
Well, oftentimes I find that there isn't enough dollars in the actual unit itself that in particular kitchens are miss, often uh, are not calculated properly. There's a significant cost involved in upgrading a kitchen, whether that's not just the cabinetry, but there's electrical needs to be moved around. If there's an introduction to uh, putting in a dishwasher, there's plumbing that's involved. There's a number of tradespeople that are involved in that whole kitchen renovation that if you walk in thinking that it's going to cost three to $4,000, all of a sudden it comes up significantly more. Thank you for those examples. That's helpful. What is something that you've seen more often than not people get right from a budget standpoint? On the budget standpoint, what they get right. Fortunately, I tend to see that there's a a lot of stuff that is... What is more commonly right than the other stuff? What is sinned less on than the other stuff? Typically, easier stuff to be able to calculate. Like, it doesn't take rocket science to be able to determine the cost associated with replacing a carpet or putting in peak. Those types of things are on a supply and install basis. You can easily figure out what that is. Unfortunately, if you really dig into each of those, a particular LVP, if you have an older building and if you have areas where you've got floors that are all over the place, then there's a cost associated with having to do some type of leveling that often folks will miss that number. And depending on the area that's required to have a little bit of leveling done, then we can talk about some significant dollars toward that. What's something that we haven't discussed that you think we should as it relates to renovations? I think that's what's incredibly important in the planning out and executing a renovation process is actually creating a detailed scope of work. And I find that lots of folks that get involved, start that whole process, don't plan it out properly and put that whole process down in writing, in creating that detailed scope of work, in detailing with the type of paint, the color of the paint, appliances, toilets, all of those things that in order to be able to get out there in the marketplace, an apples-to-apples comparison from contractors or tradespeople. You need to have that detailed scope of work. And it takes time, but it's something that's required because if you just generically send out to make a couple of phone calls to contractors to ask them to give you to price out work in your individual suite, you'll have a wide variety of numbers associated with that. And also you'll have a number of folks that are not interested in quoting. Coming from the background as a general contractor myself, I'm bombarded with requests of people to price out their jobs, whether it's on the residential or commercial side. And I am careful in who I do business with. So I learned right from the beginning that I wanted to deal with professionals associated with all of these types of renovations because I make the most amount of money in the turns that I do and the amount of renovations that I do. So I don't make money getting bogged down on a renovation. So I'm always looking for professionals who know exactly what they want. And if you don't have a detailed scope of work where you've identified exactly what it is that you're looking to accomplish in this particular renovation, then I don't want to deal with you. And that's one of the struggles that I find new real estate investor syndicators when they're out there trying to tender their jobs, trying to find contractors to quote on their work. A lot of good quality ones won't because they're not prepared. They don't have their decisions figured out ahead of time. And so that's one of the things that I find in the marketplace, whether it's on single family and multifamily. There's a lack of that detail scope of work put in in order to determine, make sure that they exa- you get exactly what you're looking for and you can get good quality contractors that are interested in quoting your work and also being competitive, that you can look at quotes and compare apples to apples. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? 
When I got started, I didn't realize this, but now looking back, I strongly encourage folks when they get into this, that they, especially in the multifamily side, that they're acquiring properties for cash flow. Because that's what, as investments, you're looking for and are able to pay for improvements, to put money aside. But eventually, what you'll need to do in order to create real wealth is acquire properties that will appreciate. And that's where real wealth is created. There's pockets all across North America that have a little bit of both. And that's one of the recommendations that I found is that you acquire property that cash flow. And the numbers don't lie. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for a best ever lightning round? I'm ready. Go ahead. All right. Let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe. J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. What's something that you do differently from a renovation standpoint that you weren't doing, say, five years ago? Always looking for improving systems and processes. So I'm constantly looking at improving, whether it's through technology. And there's been tremendous strides that have been made over the last several years with regards to that. So that's in the South where I've seen improvement on. 
is specifically the what, technology. What technology are you using now that you weren't using well, before? Trilio is one where your projects are put in and you can monitor the progress associated with that. There are some proprietary stuff that in terms of like payment schedules and progress schedules that we have with contractors and trades that helps in terms of accountability, ensuring that we get what we're supposed to be paid for. One of the things that I find, Joe, that I really want to uh, like, there's this notion out there that in order to reserve the services of a general contractor like myself, that you need to drop 50% down. And then over a period of time, obviously, you make more payments as work progresses. But I'm a strong advocate not to do that in that when you've made that type of commitment to a contractor, that you've lost all control associated with your renovation project when you put up that kind of money. 50% upfront is an outrageous sum. And the only place that I would be paying that kind of money upfront is when I walk into McDonald's. McDonald's requires you to be able to buy your hamburger and you stand off to the side to get your hamburger prepared. None of these guys are McDonald's. So I'm a strong proponent of real estate investor syndicators, keeping as much of your money in your pocket, maybe perhaps for mobilization and material costs, you gave them 10% down. But other than that, this outrageous, I've heard people that put deposits down to 70%. And how do you retain control of your rehab project when you've given that much money upfront? Best ever way you like to give back to the community. I love being on podcasts like yours. I've written a number of articles that have been picked up, and I just really want to bring out the good word about how to properly successfully plan and manage the renovation because I find so many folks constantly every day. I get phone calls from individuals that are struggling, that a contractor has skipped out and hasn't returned to do work, or just a lot of horror stories out there. Just in fact, there's TV shows that are dedicated to these types of horror stories with contractors and tradespeople. So I'm doing everything that I can to be able to get the good word out, and I really am enjoying that process. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? I've got a website, vansturgeon.com, that folks are more than welcome to go visit. There's a wealth of information there. I also have a renovation calculator that folks can download to be able to sort of access like a checklist and also a calculator. And I've been on a number of great podcasts like yours that talks about how to plan and execute a successful renovation. And it's definitely the place where folks can learn more about me. And thanks so much for talking about the renovation process and some red flags. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me.